Do you love me? I wonder how many times that question has been asked over the ages. Do you love me? People have always been concerned about love, about loving, and about being loved. And should that surprise us, considering that we are the offspring of, of the one who not only loves, but who is love? 1 John 4 and verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. John reminds us that God is love. And the one who came to show us the Father is also concerned about love. Concerned about true biblical love. Today, for a few moments, we're going to see the concern of the Christ... For love, as we study an incident where three times he asked a certain disciple a very penetrating and poignant question, do you love me? The incident is recorded in John 21, 15 through 19, and the man to whom the Lord posed that question about love was, of course, Peter. You recall that Peter had three times denied his Lord. And that denial, three-time denial, came after, after he had vowed earlier that if every other disciple forsook the Lord, he would never deny him. And yet he did three times. And now in this setting, we find Peter and others of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And they are fishing when the Lord appears to them here. And we're told in verse 14 that this is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when Peter realized that it was the Lord on the shore, he eagerly swam to meet Jesus. He didn't wait for the boat to get to the shore. He jumped out of the boat and eagerly swam to meet Jesus after hearing that the Lord was there. What would the Lord ask this now humbled fisherman? What would be the question or questions? Would he ask him, Peter, are you willing to work for me? Would he ask him, Peter, are you willing to die for me? No, the question was, do you love me? Do you love me? Let's look at those verses, beginning at verse 15 of John 21. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And now we read, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. And then Jesus said this, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then John, by inspiration, comments on that statement by writing these, or this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, that's John, of course, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? That's describing John, remember? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And we're continuing to read to finish the context. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that for you or to you? You follow me. And then John says, this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple, he's talking about himself here, would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Shows how people can misinterpret statements many times, doesn't it? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. That's down through verse 24. Peter had three times denied the Lord. Here, three times, he professes his love for him. What we have just read is the restoration of Peter. The restoration of Peter to his first love. And oh, how, how important a lesson it is in humility. Genuine humility. As the Lord addresses Peter, did you notice this? Not as Peter, the stone, but as Simon, son of Jonah. Doesn't call him Peter here. Simon, son of Jonah, which means hearer. The word Simon does. It's time for Peter to listen. Is it possible that when he heard the Lord refer to him as Simon, that he thought the Lord no longer viewed him as that stone, as that rock-solid, steadfast disciple that he had once claimed to be, where he said, I'll never deny you. Though all the others deny you, I never will. What was Peter thinking as he heard Simon, son of Jonah? And then following this poignant exchange with the master, Simon would again aptly be called Peter, the solid stone who would ultimately die for the rock of our redemption, Jesus Christ. You see, he was told here, you're going to die for me. You're going to die for me. Now follow me. Oh, there's some life-changing lessons right here. Some life-changing lessons that we can learn from this account. One of which is that believers may reject the Savior, but they may repent and return to Him. And in asking the question of Peter, do you love me? The Lord showed us what flows logically from a disciple's love for his Savior. And we need to appreciate that. 
You see, Jesus said here, if you love me, then you will feed. You will feed. Verse 15, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Again at verse 17, do you love me? You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. It's interesting that when he first says, feed my lambs, that's the little ones. And the sheep would include those who were of greater maturity. Feed them all. Feed those newborn babes and feed those mature Christians. Feed all the flock. Don't leave anyone out. Perhaps that's included here in the two words that are used. And that word lamb, that's the only place it's ever used in the New Testament. The one who loves the Lord will feed. The one who loves the Lord will feed upon his word so that he may be able to feed others the word. And in the verses we just noticed from 15 and 17, the Lord uses the word feed. But in verse 16, go back to that verse with me, he uses a different word, tend my sheep, or shepherd is the idea here. Shepherd my sheep. So he uses feed my sheep in verses 15 and 17. In verse 16 he uses shepherd or tend my sheep. Could it be that the Lord anticipated Peter's becoming a shepherd of the sheep? Literally an elder? Remember 1 Peter 5 verse 1? I who am a fellow elder. Peter became an elder in the Lord's church. Perhaps the Lord was referring to that very thing when he used that different word there in verse 16. Shepherd my sheep. But what it demonstrates is that the one who loves the Lord will be concerned, not only for his own spiritual nourishment, but for the nourishment and growth of others. How is your life affecting those around you? Is your love for Christ causing you to feed yourself adequately and others? as well? Do you love the Lord more than these? What are these? Well, we can only speculate about what the Lord referred to when he asked Peter the question, do you love me more than these? Some have said that perhaps it was all the fish that they had caught. You remember it's right before this that that Jesus tells them after they had not been doing very well fishing, cast the net. You remember? He said, cast the net on the right side of the boat. That's back at verse 6 of this chapter. And you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. So when Jesus asked Peter, in the presence of all this great catch, do you love me more than these? Was he... Referring to fishing and fish, do you love me more than these material things? Some have speculated perhaps so. If so, the lesson would be that we have to love the Lord more than anything material or anyone else in this world. Anything that is of this world, anything that is material, we have to count it as Paul wrote in the Philippian letter as rubbish for the riches that we gain in Christ Jesus. But perhaps the question that Jesus asked, do you love me more than these, 
was in reference to the other disciples who were there. You remember what Peter had said? Though all of these forsake you, I never will. So was Jesus revisiting that vow in the question, do you love me more than these? Peter, you said you did at one time. Do you really love me more than these? That may be the more likely reference, but either way, there's a lesson to be gleaned. Whether we view the these as reference to material things or these as reference to fellow disciples. The point is, do you love the Lord more than anything? Do you love the Lord more than anyone? If so, then you will feed upon spiritual things. And you'll make that your priority. And you will help nourish others in the Word, both by your teaching and by your life. You'll feed. But, verses 18 and 19, remind us that if you love the Lord, you'll follow. Look at those verses again. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger and you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. The Lord asked Peter three times about his love for him. And as we pointed out, it's interesting that three times Peter denied his Lord and that now the Lord asks him three times to confess his love for the Master. And at the conclusion of this restoration process, the Lord says to him, follow me. Doesn't that remind us that those who truly love the Lord will obey him from that supreme motivation? Not from the motivation of mere duty, not from the motivation of fear of going to hell, but from the motivation of love. Remember what Jesus said is recorded in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. The American Standard says if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John reminds us in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another fervently with a pure heart. Love one another with a pure heart. You know, when we look at that passage, it's interesting to see how that wording is in that verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, and then the next phrase is, in sincere love. The in is literally into. So Peter is saying, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, obeying the gospel through the Spirit, that is, as the Spirit teaches you to obey the gospel through the written word, into into a relationship of what? Sincere love of your brethren. That's the relationship into which you have entered when you become a Christian. Into sincere love of the brethren. And then he says, keep on loving. Keep on loving one another fervently with a pure heart. 
having been born again, verse 23, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You have been baptized into a sincere love for your brothers and sisters. Obviously, you've been baptized into Christ. But in being baptized into Christ, if you're a Christian this morning, you've been baptized into a relationship of sincere love for your brethren. And everything that that entails. Everything that that involves. And that love will deepen as we feed upon God's Word and as we follow His teachings. Now, in this exchange between Peter and Jesus, there are two different words for love that are used in the exchange. And it's interesting to note the distinction. Twice, Jesus uses the word agape. First time, do you love me? Agape. Second time, do you love me? Agape. Agape indicates the reasoning, discriminating attachment. As Vincent points out in his word studies, founded in the conviction that its object is worthy of esteem or entitled to it, on account of the benefits bestowed. It's the intelligent element. In other words, as we've often described it, it is love based upon the worthiness of the object of your love. The object of our love in the sense of another person is a precious soul, a soul that's more precious than all the world's goods combined. Therefore, we love that soul because of the worthiness of that soul, the precious value of that soul whether that soul happens to be an enemy or a friend, a brother, or a non-brother, we have that highest form of love for that individual. That's the word Jesus uses the first two times he asks Peter the question. Agape is the noblest of love. In other words, the question is, do you esteem me worthy of your love? Simon, do you believe I am worthy of your love? And how does Peter respond? Peter responds to the questions in every instance, in all of his answers, using the word philo. The verb form is phileo, which indicates warm affection, strong feeling. Peter shows no weakness by using that word. It's not a weak response. He just simply is affirming a deep, strong feeling for the Lord. He is affirming a warmth of affection a warmth of affection that is not generated merely by command or by intelligent reasoning. He loves the Lord with that strong, warm, deep affection. The point is, love has to know intelligently, and love has to feel as well. You know, we learn to love, don't we? Man learns to love. A man meets a young lady. He meets that young lady. He likes that young lady. He gets to know that young lady. He spends time with that young lady. And he comes to love that young lady. Emotions are engaged. Very deep emotions are engaged. And when a wife, for example, asks her husband, Do you love me? She is not simply asking, do you deem me worthy of your love? That's not all of it. It's more than that. She's asking, do you have strong feelings for me? But 
you see, both elements are absolutely essential in that relationship. And with both elements of love, the agape love and the phileo love present in that marriage relationship, then the marriage can be successful. And to love the Lord involves both of those elements. The highest, noblest form of love, the agape love, the intelligent, reasoning kind of love, and the deep, warm, warm emotional aspect as well. To love the Lord, we have to have both. There's none who's more worthy of our affection. There is none who moves us more deeply. There is none who stirs our emotions. Shouldn't be as the Lord stirs our emotions. But you cannot love the Lord without knowing Him. You can't love Him without knowing Him, and the only way you can know Him is by feeding upon His Word. That's the only way you can come to know the Lord, and then loving Him, and then following Him as He desires. Feeding and following, and then that leads us to our final point. If you love me, He said to Peter, you'll finish. If you love me, you will finish. And that goes back to verses 18 and 19. Peter, you were, when you were younger, you went where you wanted to go, when you wanted to go. But that's that's all going to change, Peter. And ultimately, he said, you are going to die for me. And then he said, follow me. And that involves finishing for me. What motivates one to die for somebody else? What is the supreme motivation that would cause one to die for someone else? Jesus tells us what it is. It is love. Listen to John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And what about the golden text of the Bible? What does it tell us? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But those who falter before finishing their Christian course do so because of failing love. Love fails those who falter. Jesus said, be faithful unto death even in death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Peter knew that his love would have to increase and abound throughout his life in order to have that love sustain him in his death. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified during Nero's persecution and that he made this request He said, I want to be crucified with my head downward because I do not consider myself worthy to be crucified as was my Lord. Peter's words to Jesus were obviously true when he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Peter spent the rest of his life following this exchange with the Lord knowing full well what he had been told. He didn't misunderstand it. Not at all. 
When you go to 2 Peter 1, verses 13 and 14, you know from that statement that he knew at that moment when Jesus said, Peter, you're going to be led where you don't want to go, and ultimately you're going to die for me. He knew that's what he meant. Because in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, beginning, he said, Yes, I think it is right for as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, the body, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. When did the Lord Jesus Christ show Peter that he would die for him? In the very text that we've been reading. And yet, after being told, Peter, you're going to die for me, now follow me, he did that. That's love. What about yours? Is it a love that prompts you to feed upon God's word? That your life might be a blessing to others? Is it a love that prompts you to follow Jesus? Properly motivated by love that is intensifying with every passing day? Is it a love that will allow you to finish your course with joy, even if you're called upon to lay down your life for Jesus? We cannot let anyone or anything deter us. Our responsibility is individual. No one else can fulfill that responsibility for you or for me. We must do it for ourselves. Therefore, how will you answer the Lord's question, Do you love me? We plead with you to answer it by loving obedience to the gospel if you haven't done that. Belief in Jesus as the Christ that leads you to repent, to confess that Jesus is the Christ, and then to be buried with him in baptism for the remission of your sins. As Jesus declared, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark 16, 16. And if you've left your first love, if your love has waned rather than increased over time and you know in your heart of hearts that you wouldn't die for the Lord today you'd be fearful to do so because your love is not where it needs to be and most importantly that that lack of love has manifested itself in a way publicly that has brought reproach upon the church we don't ask you to repent of anything that's private or anything that's between you and someone else you take care of that between you and them or him or her but if your life has brought reproach upon the church in a way that needs to be repented of in that same public way, come home to your first love as together we stand and sing.